Podcast. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. If we can learn to speak the language, if we can learn to interact with our own energies enough to hear it and understand it. So I wanted to teach people how to do that. I don't think it's a special gift. I think it's something everybody has built into the equipment. And we just don't, in our culture, teach children how to use it. Welcome to the Liberated Healer Podcast, where we touch on a variety of topics in the world of spirituality, energetic healing, and everything in between and beyond. Take an adventure on a shooting star with your host, Gina, offering their wisdom, guidance, and everlasting love and support. Hi, everybody. This is Gina Cavalier at the Liberated Healer Podcast. And today my guest is Ellen Meredith, and she has a fabulous book. She's written a few books, I think of a total of four that I saw. But this is her newest book, Your Body Will Show You the Way, Energy Medicine for Personal Change and Global Change. So welcome, Ellen. Hi. Hi, Gina. Thanks for having me on today. Oh, yes. And I always love talking about energy, and obviously you do too. So give us a little bit of history of yourself and how you how this journey has been for you and to come to this book. Okay. Well, there's, you know, the long story and the short story. I'll try to tell the shorter version. Um, I was originally trained by my inner teachers. Um, I'm a conscious channel. And when I was in my late teens, my grandmother, who's dead, showed up with a message for me. And I thought, oh, how great. I've imagined grandma. And I wrote down the message. And I wouldn't have thought anything of it, except that afternoon, there's a knock on the door. And this person I barely knew said, hey, I'm going to a psychic fair. Do you want to go? And I'd never been to a psychic anything. So I said, sure, let's check it out. So I went with this person. We we showed up in this little town in Hope, Michigan, and it was a spiritualist church. And there were these little $5 readings or $10 readings, maybe. And I sat down for my reading and the psychic said, your mature grandmother is standing right behind you and she has a message. And she repeated word for word the message I'd written down from my grandmother. Wow. <laughs> I know. And I was just like, okay, I'm booked. This is cool and interesting and weird. Yeah. And, you know, and so I asked her, I was kind of a, a little brat. I said, I already got that message. <laughs> and then I said, no, I'm just kidding. What I want to know is, are you reading my mind or do you think my grandmother's really there? Yeah. And I get that psychic credit. She said, it's my belief system that your grandmother's really there and that you're getting messages and that you can hear more if you just slow down, tune in, listen. 
And I thought, well, okay. I mean, I was, I'm a writer. I lived in my pajamas most of the time anyway at that point. And, you know, just listening. So that was easy for me. And a couple of days later, I noticed a ticker tape in my head with letters on it. And I started writing them down. And it was a message from my counsels, I call them, my inner teachers, saying, we'd like to work with you. And, you know, here's how we can get in touch. And they interpreted a dream I'd had and they explained a difficulty I was having in a relationship. And I thought, oh, I really like this. <laughs> yeah. I like this relationship, this this conversation. And was that all through a ticker tape where you started to quickly develop things? Yeah, of course. It started, the first was a ticker tape, so I would trust the message. But as soon as I realized what they were saying, they switched to just giving me a whole sentence or a whole paragraph at a time and I'd type it out. And then they trained me and it was very intensive. It, it was every single day. And that's been 50 years now, pretty much every day training with these teachers. And about two or three years into it, they said, you're going to move to California. You're going to get very ill. And in the process of healing, you're going to become a healer. And I heard, you're going to move to California. And I thought, oh, great, great, great. So I did get a job in California, moved here. And, um, but I also got very ill. And in the process of trying to heal, my MD sent me to an alternative practitioner who worked with meridians and, you know, body energies and energy testing. She was a chiropractor. And um, I realized I could see what was going on in my body's energies, that I could see where she was going to test and what the test was going to show. I could look at all the supplements on her wall and I could tell which one I needed and for how long and you know, so I started to, we started to play, the two of us, like, well, what do you see here? What do you perceive there? And I started to invent things that would help. You know, I'd say, well, you know, everything's screwy, but if you do this, then it will work. And, and so we just played together. And when I healed, she said, would you come in and work with other clients and see if you can be an intuitive with them? And I yeah. said, sure, why not? No. <laughs> And um, I did, and it worked out very well. The first client said, do you have an individual practice? And without thinking, I said, oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Oops. And so she came, right now. <laughs> yeah, she came, her friends came, and I ended up being able to channel for them um, and speak it rather than write it, which was very convenient. Yeah. And it just took off. Within a year, I had a full-time practice. I, yeah. I had to choose between my day job teaching at a university and and this new work that I had not planned on doing. And that's how I got into it. And then I started getting more and more clients. I've worked with over 10,000 people over the years. And the first 23, it was guidance. I had to hear the guidance. I had to look at what was going on with my clients. And I had to invent what to do about it. I, I was not, you know, maybe that was stupid of me, but I didn't want to go out and get training from out there because I wanted it to be authentic to what the energies were telling me. And I wanted the energies and, and my guidance to teach me. Then after that, I found the work of Donna Eden. So I did train in her system and I, I've been on her faculty. But um, what led to this book was my strong belief that we all have a guidance system built into us, not just voices in our head, not just counsels, but every fiber of our being can provide guidance if we can learn to speak the language if we can learn to interact with our own energies enough to hear it and understand it. So I wanted to teach people how to do that. I don't think it's a special gift. I think it's something everybody has 
built into the equipment. And we just don't, in our culture, teach children how to use it. And that's a shame. Until until now. (laughs) Until now. (laughs) Yeah, right. Get the book. No. I I definitely see like a shift happening where people are, you know, definitely taking healing into their own hands and recognizing, um, I think back in my days as well, it's been similar probably the time of years where people are like, well, that person's a psychic. They, they, They have the skills. And it almost was a separate thing. Like, they have yeah. it and you don't. Right. And, and then if they didn't see it the same way, like, oh, that person has a visual picture and this person can hear, then it there was like a level of what was better. Or, now we're all kind of realizing that everybody has a different language, right? Yeah. You don't have to learn what your language is. Absolutely. And because nobody told me it had to be one way, I use all of my senses. I sometimes smell energies. I can taste them. I can vision them or feel them. Um, I can I can use gesture and a gesture will show me or touch. And that's, you know, I, I wrote another book called The Language Your Body Speaks, where I introduced this multidimensional language. And then I built on it in this book, though you don't have to read them in order. So yeah. um, so the your body will show you the way. Also, just helps people try different um, ways of dialoguing with their own energies. Try them on for size. I've got lots of explorations. I've got lots of energy exercises and a narrative of, you know, that hopefully will wake people up to things they already know, but maybe got schooled out of them, right? Yeah. I mean, most of us were very discouraged from using our intuition or, or developing our wisdom uh, from the inside out. It's a culture that's very outside in, right? That, you know, if you want to know something, you Google it, find out what someone else thinks or what someone else said and outside expertise rather than tuning in and saying, well, what, what do I feel about this? What do I know about this? What can I perceive? What can I put together from the evidence I have? How can I perceive more evidence and come up with a fuller understanding and picture as it relates to me my life, my choices, my actions, um, you know, just sort of the operation from the inside out, the agency over our own life and choices. Absolutely. And then what the reason why I think it's so important, and, and this is the whole reason why I built the Liberated Healer, is because see, see, you do go to a practitioner and it's a half an hour or an hour, right? And then a, you're giving up your seniority to that person just saying, oh, they have all the answers. And then whatever they say, Something might not resonate with you. You know, they're doing the best that they can or whatever. You have uh-huh. to know what resonates within yourself. And then you have exactly. 23 hours left in the day to kind of look for signs or guidance or see what helps. And if you if you don't take your own responsibility to say, you know, what, when I take a bathroom, I'm not feeling good. I feel better. Why do I feel better? It resonates for me. Like, you know, or just kind of start to tick off the boxes. Right. 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 And, you know, I mean, that whole thing of going to a practitioner, I I don't have problems with practitioners. They can be very helpful. But we as clients have learned to be so passive. I mean, I've had people in my classes say, well, I'd just rather come for a session and have you do it. Yeah. And I'm thinking, you know, if I were teaching you how to play the violin, you wouldn't say to your violin teacher, will you play the song? Yeah. You know what? I mean, because you are not going to learn how to play the violin if you always have the teacher play the song for you. And you're not going to get long-term deep healing by other people doing it once in a while for you. 
Right. Yeah. And this is our instrument and we need to know how to play it. We really do. And, and, and our culture legislates against that. I mean, literally legislates, but also figuratively, you know, there's a great fear of, of um, intuition in part because even hundreds of years ago, women were killed for having these skills or these abilities yeah. for knowing plants or being able to look at a plant and, and tune into it and see what it could do for you. I mean, People were put to death or put in prison for using the kind of skill set that now many people are awakening to. So I think it's, you know, you know, maybe I'm a little bit ahead of the curve because I'm a little older than some of the folks out there. But nonetheless, I think that it is a time of broader awakening where we're saying we need to use this whole instrument. We need to know how to play because we can't afford to keep going to someone to get fixed. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine if you had to go to someone every day to get your teeth brushed? You know, well, they wouldn't rot. No, they teach us to brush our teeth, but they don't teach us to tune in and say, wow, I'm feeling tight here. What can I do to address that? I'm feeling sick. What can I do? We know everything that's going on with us at any given moment. Yeah, at some level, at some level. In the world that will know 100%. So you're not your whole best friend right now. And this is my everything I'm talking about. If you're having psychological drama or, you know, um, not just physical, like knowing you're reading your body, but thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the issues about knowing, because the trained brain doesn't know, but the intuitive brain often can can at least perceive it or figure it out. But one of the things that I think works against us is that we're in a right answer society. We want the right answer and we want it yesterday. And we want the whole answer. We don't, we want the whole explanation all at once. So we tune in and we say, what's going on? And rather than being satisfied by like an image of a balloon and, and thinking, well, what does that balloon mean? What can I do with that? What is that saying to me in response to my question? We say, I don't get it. I don't know what the answer is. And we, you know, yeah, we don't do that with the jigsaw puzzle. I mean, you've got a jigsaw puzzle. You pull the pieces out and you start finding things that go together and you put it together to understand what goes where. And I think we need to treat this communication a little more like a jigsaw puzzle and less like a right answer machine. Yeah. And we're starting to understand that there is no magic pill. I mean, uh, whenever there's like the new um, diet pill that everybody's all talking about and they're like, well, I was on it and I lost a lot of weight. As soon as I got off it, I gained all my weight. You know, they're always looking for this magic pill, just like magic healing. It's just there isn't what something you can just take and boom, it's all done. And why? Right. Actually, the journey of learning is a part of the healing. Right. But, you know, healing is wholeness. So it's it's not even about fixing what's wrong. It's about. It's about constructing wellness by choice within us and around us. And, and, you know, another big myth in our culture right now is that we're somehow generic, you know, that they can find that pill because we're all the same. And a pill is just a communicator, right? It's just a chemical communication. It goes into your system and it starts screaming at the body because it's very loud communication, most chemistry. It's screaming at the body, do this, do this, don't do that, blah, blah, blah. And the body's trying to make its peace with this shouter that's in there. And even if it responds to what the pill asks for, three hours later, the pill's still there shouting because chemistry is very unsubtle. And the body's going, hey, I did it. 
I did it. Why are you yelling at me? And it shuts down or it, it just ignores the pill after a while or it starts having side effects. Did you mean this? Did you mean that? And it's, you know, so we need to get past that notion that we're all the same. They can come up with answers. They can come up with the one solution. And mm-hmm. to start saying it's not even about here's the problem, here's the solution. It's that you and I and everybody else, we're a moving dynamic. We're a dance of energies. Yeah. And my energies are different from your energies. Yeah. The feeds that what, you know, what your spirit comes up with that, that feeds you. It's like they're different flavors from the energies that come into me. So I need an instrument that can accommodate, you know, I call them soul feeds, the energies that come into me. And you need an instrument that can play the music of the energies coming into you. So even if I try to teach you, I can only teach you a certain amount about the musicianship part of it. Yeah. But you still have to come to terms with how to create your instrument and maintain it in a way that it will play that music that is unique to you. So they can't possibly, I mean, it's not even mathematically possible for them to come up with the pills that fix what's wrong, because what's wrong is a shout from the body saying, hey, this isn't right. Mm-hmm. So healing is about seeking that rightness. It's about cultivating those energies and those feeds that really are expressions of our deepest truth. And that's different for each of us, right? Yeah. And I've, you know, I've been saying this recently in my journey. I've been hearing healing is a solo sport. So even though we collectively get information and we share tips and tools like you have this is that's what you're doing you this is sharing what the councils and the and little tools is your own little guidebook but it's just true healing is kind of a solo sport unfortunately because yeah like again you're the only one that knows what you need you're the only one who knows how deep it goes you're the only one that really knows that you got a, a true expression out of something and or that something's resonating And if it's not, you have to move on and try something else or find something else and go to the. Right, right. And I want to say, you know, something that's kind of coming into my head. I'll see if I can formulate it. You know, again, so many people are ill. I mean, 60 percent of our country, the U.S. has chronic illness and that's chronic illness. But we've also got the other little stuff. Yeah, I got stuff going on right now. My body's talking to me already um, today. But, but it isn't, healing isn't about fixing the illness. I've already just said this. It is about cultivating wellness. And we have to go back to the fact that as kids, our time is wasted. We get in school, we line up, we all try to learn the same thing. It's irrelevant to most of us. We're being set up against each other on this bell curve. So, so 30, 40% of us are set up to fail because not everyone can succeed. And if everyone does succeed, they just move the curve. So that only the top people succeed and the rest fail. It's a system that doesn't set us up to know how do I cultivate wellness? How do I cultivate joy? How do I cultivate meaning? How do I make this moment count for me? And so much of us, we spend our time. If I do this, then I'll get that. You know, we, we defer our gratification or we just believe I can't have gratification right now. I have to do this, this, and this, and this in order to get well. So I'm well enough to get this, that, that, and that. And it's this whole scheme that pulls us out of 
center out of our bodies, out of our grounding, out of this instrument. So we're not playing the song right now. We're always preparing for some concert where we're going to be judged. Mm. And it's not a very joyous thing. I mean, you ask any musician who's learned how to play because they love to play and love the music. And now they hate it because it's performance and it's, they're getting criticized and, you know, they have to do it a certain way to get paid and everything that they, they put into it to learn it gets skewed by that performance and outside in, you know, the audience, um, aspect to it. So I really think that part of healing is reclaiming your life as a lived experience moment by moment by moment. And in this moment, you can be like a dog or cat. Like, I don't know if you have dogs or cats, but the yeah. dog goes, now I'm going to lick my paw. Now I'm going to go to on a kibble. Now I'm going to sniff over here. Now I'm going to roll over. You know, and it's just now, now, now. And endless pleasures, right? Yes. And maybe it gets its paw stuck and needs help. But most of the time, the dog is having a really good time. Yeah. And we don't. Most yes. of us. If I have 10 minutes, how can I work at some problem I have and fix it? Rather than how can I cultivate something in this moment that is worthy of this instrument? Maybe I can roll over and wag my tail in this moment and have a moment of creature joy while I'm in this body. Yeah, it's, it is really hard for us to be in, in, in the now. Um, and once things get system, systematized or whatever that word, <laughs> I'm saying it wrong, but then then it feels like the magic kind of goes, you know, um, because my background was in entertainment. And when I was younger, like I loved movies and the creation of movies. And then when I went into the entertainment business, it was all, you know, all these systems took all the joy out of it because there was too many people like putting their paintbrush over it. And then by the time it was all, it was just like a big ball of Right, right. Was gone. But can right. you then, First started doing movies in the, you know, with the Charlie Chaplin, all the fun that they had and, you know what I mean? Expression. And it's sort of like we need to kind of, in all of our creativity, go back to that, you know, instead of all the micromanagement and all the judgment and, you know, let it, you know, even in ourselves and in others, you know, um, competitive with other people. That's the energy that doesn't help us. No. You know, um, and I think that's something that people struggle with a lot with social media and especially millennials. Right. Always they're in competition with thousands of people they don't even know. Right. Right. And they're putting their thoughts out rather than just stating something inside. So if it's something doesn't lend itself to a quick hit, it often doesn't happen. And there is, I mean, I, you know, like a dog, I like immediate gratification. But I also like that, like my dog or cat has a term relationship that builds over time. Lots of love that adds up to a real deep uh, affinity. And that ability to gestate material and understanding and experience inside ourselves. Even, yeah. I mean, even uh, for years, I resisted ever taking pictures of anything because I felt like just be in the place, look at it, let the experience come in. And all around me, people were clicking and trying to get the right angle. And I'm thinking, are you even seeing it? Yeah. And, you know, I have I have friends whose children, you know, will on a dime stop and pose over and over and over. And I'm thinking, what kid wants to stop their game so they can pose for the and, camera? 
No, we're training ourselves now. Yeah, we're training ourselves to chop ourselves into little tiny bits. And I don't know if we're losing the ability to have sustained creation, but I know as a writer, I think it's harder and harder for me to make the case that it's worthwhile to read a book, to actually read the whole book. No, don't catch the video on YouTube. I've got them and they're good too. But read the book because a book is a journey, a longer term journey that you don't get when it's a single little blog or a single little blurb or a, a, you know, or a tweet. And of course that, that shows my age, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that the books like they're writing now and what you're talking to me is too, is just something that you always kind of keep. um, It's something you just go back to, you make notes of, you kind of go backwards and forwards and, you know, a lot of these healing books, um, they're like that. They're, you know, you just keep them on yourself. And you're like, I want to re- read that one section again or whatever. Um, I, mean, I write it kind of as a resource book. So because, and, you know, it's written so you can read it through. I tried to make it as novel-like as possible because I love novels. Oh, great. But, um, but it is designed. So, yeah, I could go back to that section or that chapter and visit it and, and learn the material. So, um, you know, I... It's easy to critique the world and it's harder maybe to just recognize that a lot of us get so pulled in different directions that it we don't have even the nervous system to support focus or sustained attention or or self-love or self-respect. And, you know, that's what my energy medicine tries to do is to help people with simple, easy, and often quick exercises, come home to themselves. And I can teach a little exercise that does that. I've got hundreds, maybe thousands of exercises. And this isn't even one that's in the book. This is just one that's come up recently. Let's do it. Okay. So you're going to put one hand on your solar plexus. Stand up here, your belly. And the other hand on your heart in the center, the high heart. Sorry. And you're going to cross your ankle. Okay, this is called coming home, and you're going to breathe in through your nose on a count of three. So, three and out on a count of five. And I usually breathe in through my nose and out through my mouth. And you want to breathe out longer than you breathe in. So, just do that for a moment. Ankles crossed, holding solar plexus and heart. Three, five, breathing. And I hope people out there are doing it with us unless you're driving. If you're driving, wait till later. So do you want to say what that feels like to you? I kept uh I was feeling like an opening. I could actually feel almost like a half circle that my body became like a half circle. Uh-huh. Kind of see the energy moving. Um, yeah, it was interest. It was definitely instant, instantly like opened up a little bit in my yeah, face. Um, yeah, yeah. I felt a little. I could feel it just flow better. Okay. I mean, that was quick. We only did it for a few no. seconds. You yeah. can do that longer. And what that exercise does is it uses what I call energy access points around the body. There's there's places that you can access various energies or energy flows, energy streams, et cetera. Not just meridians, your aura, your chakras, and even access points to other energy systems that that some 
some traditions have, um, you know, documented and others haven't. So, so you don't have to know all that to intuitively find those openings. The hands kind of know where to go. You know, yeah. when we're upset, we might do this. The hands know to go there and we're holding a lot of different access points. So when we're doing that coming home exercise, obviously the hand on the heart accesses your heart and your feelings, but also your abilities to communicate with other people. Okay. So it, the heart is a communicator and it with on the solar plexus, that's a center that relates to creating a self, creating an identity in the world and coping in the world. So when you're putting your hand on it, you're calming that kind of frantic need to cope. When you're crossing your ankles, you're integrating your left and right brain, your left and right sides. And the healthier we are, the more crossovers we have, you know, figure eights crossing over in our system. So when you cross your ankles like that, doing this exercise, you're creating, you're sort of stimulating the figure eights that create the crossovers that make you healthier. And then the three, five breathing calms your vagus nerve. And your mm -hmm. vagus nerve runs through and tells all the organs what to do. And it particularly um, supports your parasympathetic nervous system. And this is all a bunch of stuff you don't need to know if you don't want to. Um, but it calms that um, the fight, the flight or freeze, you know, the fight, flight and freeze stuff. It calms reactivity and it calms that sense of um, I'm not protected. My inner self is in danger and I need to protect the sanctity of myself. So that three, five breathing makes that inner self feel safer and more heard and more met and more supported. And that's, you get a lot of effect for a simple exercise. You don't have to know all that to do it. It's called coming home. And even in the name, I built in the meaning of what it does for you. But that's an example of a, a simple energy medicine exercise that brings maybe a, like a little conversation that you can have energetically with your body. So in the book, I teach sort of individual communication, but I also teach ways to put it together like that for various purposes. Uh, yeah, this happen. isn't something that you do all like on the weekend or, you know, like flight some time for it. When you learn these kind of skills, you could be in a meeting and like, like you said, all of a sudden the fight or flight, like, you know, something was said that triggers you and you're going into, you know, resentment or fear of losing your job or like all kinds of things that people are real world things that people are really in fear of right now. Right. These, these are little tools that, you know, you can go back and recenter and, and then when you do have to go back maybe into a hard conversation, you're going into it in a way that is just more grounded. You know, that's what I recognize when I first started doing a lot of the, you know, energy healing, when I was still doing a full nine to five job, I used them to use them in meetings. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's very tense energy. And right. I didn't want to be the same uh, bringing that energy in, into the meeting, it would affect me and everybody around me. And I realized that when I would go into, I would do these exercises very similar to what you teach before I would go into every meeting, but nobody yes. knew about it, but me. Yeah. They would go, okay, I'm not going to do them today. And I'm just going to see how everybody is. And it was a more chaotic energy. Right. You can affect other people's energies by what you do with your own. 
And lots and lots of energy medicine can be done when other people are around. For example, you can intersperse the fingers of both hands and you just either put them on your solar plexus or on your second chakra, which is between the pubis and the belly button. I mean, you don't want to do anything too embarrassing, but you know, you can do that. And that again, integrates left and right brain. It also gets all kinds of meridians talking to each other and flowing better into each other. So, you know, even just sitting like this or sitting like this at a meeting or sitting like this, that weaves your energies together, even as the meeting might be raveling, you know, unraveling them for you. So um, it's something to just be aware of that the more you learn to communicate with your body, you don't have to stop and do a two hour routine in the morning to get the results. It's throughout the day you can make little adjustments. Yeah, that's what I was trying to get at because those are the things that are really going to help people and help people now who are, you know, having, you know, issues in some sort of their home life or at work. And um, so um, I have a question. What did you, in your book, you mentioned something about a medical intuitive and that's sort of what you do now. Is that so you would kind of scan people's bodies or? Well, medical intuitive was where I started out when the practitioner invited me in to look at her clients and see what was going on that wasn't showing up on tests or scan. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the first client had a neck that wasn't healing and nothing had showed up on the x-ray. So I took a look and what I saw was a little hairline fracture. And I said, would that make a difference? And the practitioner said, yeah. So she re-x-rayed from a different angle because I could show her where it was. And then they found it and could figure out what to do. So I started there working in, in that um, chiropractor's office doing sort of, um, you know, not just diagnosis, but showing what the energy pattern was that needed to be addressed because she did um, um, what's called applied kinesiology. So she worked with meridians and everything and, and could hold points and work with, with um, acupressure points and stuff. Um, so I did that for a few years while my um, individual practice also took off. And there I, I was mostly channeling for people, but I got a massage table and started doing hands-on as people would come in and say, hey, I've got this issue. Tell me about it. And I'd say, well, let me show you. You know, why yeah. tell you about it? Get on the table. Let's let's play with this and show you. And And so that evolved. And then, you know, I did years of the channeling and hands-on. And I wasn't working as much. I only worked in that office for a couple of years. Um, yeah. And then we sort of, we were friends, but we, we, we did our own practices and sent people back and forth. I referred people to, to my friend and she referred them back to me. Um, so then I evolved into teaching energy medicine. And, you know, I, I, like I said, trained in Eden method or Eden, Eden energy medicine. So I've been doing that and teaching that. And lately it's more teaching and writing than it is. I don't have a, a hands-on practice right now just because I'm too busy, but yes. Um, um, what about Lauren Walker? Because I had her on this show already. Um, she was she was actually living in Montana where I was. Lovely. Um, yeah. Okay. I, yeah. Lauren's great. She wrote the foreword to this book. Yeah. And did a great job. And she teaches something called energy medicine yoga, which I'm yeah. sure your listeners heard about in the, you know, if not, go listen to that interview. She's a very articulate and wonderful teacher of energy medicine yoga. And I think what's happening you know, I'd like to think I'm unique and I am to my family and to my cats. However, I think to the rest of the world, there are lots and lots of people 
waking up and coming up with their own ways of understanding this business of how do I speak the language of energy? And it really is literally a language. It's not a metaphor. You know, we, we think chemistry, I mean, if you say chemistry is a language and that it communicates, you know, the chemicals do this thing, chemistry isn't a metaphor. It really moves stuff. Yeah. And the language of energy moves stuff the way chemistry does. Yeah. And people are funny. I mean, historically, it's like, I will believe in that little white pill that looks like all the other white pills, but it, you tell me to take it, I'll take it. And I believe it's going to change my symptoms. But then they scoff if you say, well, hold here and here for about 10 minutes and then, you know, do something else. And, and that's going to make you feel different. And people scoff and say, how can that do it? And it's, well, it's energy medicine and energy medicine. Energy is the other communication in the body. There's chemistry and there's energy. Your brain has electrical synapses that send out messages. Your spine sends out messages. We've got this magnetic field around us that influences us. We have all kinds of radar, like when you walk through a crowd and don't bump into everybody, it's because you're using radar. We've been taught not to believe in our own capacity in this language of energy and in um, the constant communications that go on between yeah. body, mind, and spirit. But lots of people are saying, well, wait, that's, re that's not reasonable. And more and more teachers are coming out and saying, well, I learned this way and I learned that way. And of course, there's traditions, right? Yoga and, and acupuncture or, or Chinese medicine and Ayurveda. There are energy medicine traditions that people are dipping into or Reiki, which is kind of a re reboot of a tradition. And, and so people are saying, wait, there is something here. And how can we open to it, relearn it, make it part of our everyday life? Because we're all sick from not listening. And the body screams through symptoms, sensations, symptoms, events, things going wrong, energy not being funded. That's part of how the body communicates when there's an issue. And we're like, duh, we don't get it, right? We just throw a pill to shut the symptoms up and keep going. You know, we're tired. And instead of resting or doing something to make the energy flow, we guzzle coffee or stimulants to keep going. Yes, and that, that's our culture or cultures that tell us ignore this communication that's in your face all the time, literally in your face as well as figuratively. And instead, follow these ideas we're teaching you, which don't make you well. And don't make you happy, but keep doing them because maybe they will. And, and of course, it's pricey, you know. Yes. External medicine is pricey. Self-healing from the inside out, you know, is not very costly. You know, you no. can learn it for free or cheap. And then once you know it, it's a skill set that you can use for yourself and your friends and whatever. And so I'm a real big advocate of learn to play your instrument. You know, you may still go to concerts with professionals. You may still go to practitioners. Sure, if you think you've got a cancer, get it, go get it scanned or scoped by those machines. But before you go there, listen to the body because it doesn't need to go shout that loud. Cancer is a very, very loud shout from a body that hasn't been heard for a, for a while and yeah. needs to be responded to. And so the more we do that, the healthier we will all be. Yeah, because if you have, say, like a headache, you know, that's what your experience is. But what's leading up to the headache, you know, is right. maybe right. something you ate, maybe, you know, some 
allergy or, you know, but, you know, you go to a doctor and he only has 15, 20 minutes. He's, you know, he's just going to give you maybe he has his little uh, range of tools that he can use or she and Uh just trying to help you really, but they don't have a lot of time. So they're just going to let's try this one and throw it to you. So it's like supposed to say, does that, you know, do all the digging because they don't have time or, you know, they don't know the story and everything happens within the story of this moment of this week of this life of this dynamic. And we do know the stories. And if you listen to anyone, you know, you sit next to some lady on the bus and she, you know, she sighs and says, I feel terrible. If you listen, she'll tell you the whole story. And it's the story she wasn't able to tell her doctor. There wasn't time. And there wasn't space for that. There wasn't the invitation to tell me what this all connects to. And yet it's not even psychological. You know, some people say, well, it, you know, all illness really goes back to psychological issues. But I personally think psychological issues are symptoms of energy imbalances. Mm-hmm. You know, when my cat gets up in the morning, the first thing she does before she gets up and runs around is she stretches and yes, she wants to put oxygen. And she, you know, maybe cleans something and she, you know, she does a few things to inhabit her body before she hits the floor. Yeah. And we don't do that. Most of us. Yeah, we don't do that. Yeah. We have a lot to learn from creatures about how to take care of this creature self. And the same with emotional stuff. We don't always give ourselves transition time. And the energies react. And so there's shock in the energy system. That's just causing disruption and and com- disruption to the communication. Yeah. Wow. So I'd love to teach another little exercise um, that kind of relates to what we're saying. Um, I always like to ground it in real practice because otherwise it's just theory. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of people in the last while have been experiencing reactivity, right? You read the news and it's like, oh, my God, and they're getting mad, getting you know, and you hear about these people, you know, pulling out guns because somebody cut them off in traffic or whatever. I mean, even dumber stuff. There's a, a lot of reactivity and we're not really taught how to calm reactivity. And it's part of our energy system that I teach about, which is which I call the gatekeeper. It's a mechanism that keeps the gates of self. It says this can come in. This has to stay out. This is safe. This is not safe. This is me. This is not me. And so it's like the immune system, but it's on all levels. It's energetic, emotional, spiritual, um, as well as physical. And so when the gatekeeper gets triggered, one of the things it does is it starts to put out protection. It's like um, on Star Trek when they're, you know, when the Klingons are coming, they're in the Starship Enterprise and the Kling- they notice Klingons coming towards them. They put all the energy into the shield mm. and they do that so that the Klingons can't get the ship. Yeah, but when they put so much energy into the shields, then the internal systems go on brownout. So the air conditioning doesn't work and the replicators aren't good, et cetera. Okay. That's because so much goes to the shields. And we have something similar in our body when our gatekeeper puts a lot of energy out into the shields. The internal systems like digestion and healing tissue go on brownout. So that's why people say, well, stress, you know, stress is the root of all illness. It's because when you're stressed and you're in reactivity, your healing 
you know, the body's ability to heal can't work. It's all going out to the shields. So I want to show you an exercise I call a porcupine reset, because when the energy is going to the shields, you look like a big porcupine to me. So the energy is all going to the shields. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to grab the energy at the top of my head. I'm going to breathe in and pull up. I'm going to breathe out and take it down like bow shape down as I exhale to the ground and tack that energy to the ground. I'm going to grab the other end like it's a big inside out sock. Pull it out. And tack it to the top of my body. Let's do that one more time. Breathe in and pull up. Breathe out. And take the energy down. Tack it. Grab the other end. Breathe in and pull out. Exhale and tack it to your head. And that's outer porcupine for those Klingons coming at you. Not an inner porcupine when we get all grumpy inside and those inside and you just can't function. So that anchors at the third eye. You're going to grab here. You're going to breathe in and pull up. You're going to exhale and take it down. Going to grab the other end and breathe in and pull up. Exhale and tack it back at the third eye. That's for the inner porcupine. Let's do that time. One more time. Down, breathe in, and put it there. Okay. I love it. <laughs> Little exercise program. I love that. That was fun. It is fun. It's so simple. It's resetting the energy. So instead of going out to the shields, they come back in. It resets polarities in the body. It's very simple. I've had people who were so severely in reactivity that no one could stand to be around them. They just, nobody liked them. When they learned to do the porcupine reset, they became very nice people and had lots of friends. It really changed their whole life and their whole health because when you're in porcupine and your digestion isn't working, and if you're in porcupine all day, every day, because you're thinking scary thoughts and, you know, you're, you're putting the specter of Klingons coming at you by reading the newspaper and, you know, getting into other people's problems and issues, then what happens is that your digestion never does catch up with itself. Then you've got digestive issues and, you know, irritation and, and inflammation. And inflammation anywhere in the body is a sign that you've been in porcupine either now or enough that your body is just in reactivity. So it's a quick way, you know, there's lots of different ways, but that's a quick way to pull yourself out of reactivity. And it's a useful tool for us to have in these times where just about everything triggers us. You know, I mean, it's a very triggering time, right? Everything, you could say one wrong word with somebody right now and you're like, what? Oh my God. Oh, uh, like, really? It, and it's just, it's a trigger. And they're just, because that fear mechanism is what. And they, their energy to me looks like a porcupine. That's why I like your name because it does. That's what the energy is. It's like, don't mess with me. And, and they're living in that. And I also like it because now you're giving it spatial of that. They're, they're kind of their space. Yeah. Remember that this is what you own and this is what you're responsible right, for. Right. This is what's, um, kind of, you know, you got to take care of all that stuff. So that's right. I think plus on that exercise yeah it works on the aura too so you're you're actually clearing and cleaning and reclaiming the energy for your aura so i mean again all of these that i teach 
do a whole lot of things put together in something simple, gestural, or, um, you know, sometimes it's gesture plus visualization plus movement. You know, I, I use different aspects of the language of energy to put together these little exercises. So my books are full of explorations, but they're also full of exercises that you can use that accomplish a lot of different things simply. Because I really believe if it's not easy, most of us won't do it. Thank you so much. Um, I really, I really enjoyed going through your book. Your body will show you the way. Um, and thanks for being a real dedicated. I know you love words. You talk about how you love them and the energy of words, and you can really feel that. And so I appreciate it so much. And I, re- I really enjoy your publisher. Um, they've been really amazing. And Kim Corbin, your pu- the lady that always puts this together, she's been dreamy. And you know, I just feel such a great sense of um you know we're all kind of in this to to bring the good you know good positive vibes to everybody that's the whole reason why we're doing this uh-huh. so thank you for all your effort and energy and it was just really a pleasure to get to know you today and very fun to speak with you thank you and i think you're right we're all in this together yeah this, this isn't about one person having the right answers it's about all of us asking better questions of each other and giving each other permission to get past our trained brain into our deeper knowing. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. And so that's been our time today. This is uh, Jeannie Cavalier at the Liberated Healer Podcast, and we'll link all the information about the book below so you can find it and send it to a friend or yourself. Thank you. Thank you. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, you can find us online at theliberatedhealer.com, on Instagram at Liberated Healer Podcast, or on Facebook at The Liberated Healer. Give us a follow, subscribe, send us a message if you so feel, and thank you for your support. Yes. Yeah.